Hello, you're listening to Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church. Stephen Pollock is the pastor of Free Presbyterian Church of Malvern, Pennsylvania. The church is located at the junction of 401 and Mallon Road. Thank you for joining us today as Dr. Pollock opens the Word of God and lets the Bible speak. Let's turn together tonight to Revelation chapter 6, coming to consider the sixth seal in this particular time of the visions that John has been given by Christ to communicate to the church. Revelation chapter 6, reading from the verse number 12. And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood. And the stars of heaven fell unto the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs when she is shaken of a mighty wind. And the heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. And the kings of the earth, and the great men, and the rich men, and the chief captains, and the mighty men, and every bondman, and every free man, hid themselves in the dens, and in the rocks of the mountains, and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us, and hide us from the face of him that sitteth in the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? Amen. May God bless his word to your hearts tonight. When, when someone is newly converted, perhaps later on in life, they may comment on how they found it surprising that given our belief in coming judgment, so few warned others of the wrath to come. So you get someone, they've been converted perhaps, maybe in their 30s or 40s, uh, they've known Christians for several years, they come to Christ and they observe, well, in light of all that you believe to be so, how come I was not warned more quickly? It is a matter of inconsistency, I believe. We do believe in the wrath of God. We believe in the gospel that delivers from the wrath. And yet we are slow to warn others. And what is true is we're also sometimes slow even to pray to God, who we know is the one who delivers souls from the wrath to come. And so there is at least a degree of inconsistency between our Christian, uh, our Christian profession, what we believe to be so, and our Christian experience, what we practice in this world. Evangelist has a prominent role in the early times of Pilgrim's Progress. He comes upon Christian, Christian town of despair, the burdens on his back, and Evangelist says to him, Why not willing to die? since this life is attended with so many evils. The man answered, because I fear that this burden that is upon my back will sink me lower in the grave, and I shall fall into Topher. And sir, if I be not fit to go into prison, I am not fit, I am sure, to go to judgment. And from thence to execution, and the thoughts of these things make me cry. Then said Evangelist, if this be thy condition, why standest thou still? He answered, Because I know not whether to fly. Then he gave him a parchment roll, and there was written within, Fly from the wrath to come. 
the words of evangelist. And so there is within the duty of the Christian church the obligation to warn people of the wrath to come and to tell them to fly to Christ Jesus. Both are important. We do understand the gospel message is not fundamentally avoid wrath. The gospel message is the good news of hope and joy and salvation in Christ. That is the message. That's the good news we proclaim. But that good news has alongside it the, 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 the absolute fearful reality of the wrath to come. And so as we preach Christ, we warn souls and we say, flee from the wrath to come. That wrath, that day of wrath is mentioned here in verse number 17, for the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? Again, the language here is of prophecy. It is looking forward to a coming day, using that uh, prophetic tense, the idea of a day that has come already, but a day that is still awaiting uh, this world as we shall see. And so in light of this, let's think tonight about this day of wrath, this great day of wrath. First of all, the day of wrath is coming. It is coming. We, of course, are looking at a chapter that deals with the seals, the seals that secure the scroll that Christ has given as the Lamb who knew the victory and prevailed to take the scroll. The scroll written on both sides is, of course, the plan and purpose of God for humanity and for history. That scroll written is, of course, the contents of the plan and purpose of God. And the seals, the seals that secured, that secured the scroll, the seals are unloosed by one with the authority to then execute what is contained in the scroll. It's what Christ achieves. He's been given all power, all authority. He has the right to unloose the scroll or unloose the seals and then let the work of God, the plan of God, come to pass. And so this sixth seal has within it events that will certainly occur. They are in the plan and purpose of God and they will absolutely come to pass as Christ has secured the right to break open this sixth seal. No chance, no possibility of the seal not being unloosed. No possibility of these things not coming to pass. This is a certain coming day, absolutely certain in the will and purpose of God. So what day is there in the Scriptures? What day is there in God's timetable that brings about wrath and judgment? It is called here the great day of His wrath. Now here, we're not giving a lot of details regarding what this day is. Oh, you can imagine, I'm sure your mind has already run to the right conclusion, but let's prove this in the Scriptures. Turn back, please, to Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2, and here in the instruction of Paul, we have language regarding a coming day. Romans chapter 2, verse number 5, the warning that Paul gives to those who are hardening their hearts. He says, But after thy hardness... And in penitent heart, treasurest up unto thyself wrath against, tears the language, the day of wrath, and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. So here we have language of a day of wrath alongside the righteous judgment of God. Verse number 8 says this, To those that are contentious, to those that do not obey the truth, 
but will be unrighteousness, they will on that day come to know indignation and wrath. So this day of wrath has particular focus upon those who do not obey the gospel. They will come to know indignation, wrath, tribulation, and anguish. The day is mentioned again, verse number 16, in the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. So here now we see some more detail. There's a day coming. Christ is appointed as the judge. On that day he'll judge the secrets of men's heart. And in light of that judgment, there are those who do not obey the gospel who will then come to suffer indignation, wrath, tribulation, and anguish. You see, a day, a day coming, a day of wrath. Well, when will this day occur? Well, back in Acts chapter 17, in the sermon of Paul to the Athenians, we understand there that God appoints a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man which he hath ordained. And that man is the one that was raised from the dead, Acts 17, verse 31. But turn across to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. And there you'll see again some language of the Apostle Paul that really ties all of these things together. There's a coming day. What is this day? Well, it is the day when the wrath of God will be poured out upon the ungodly. It is the day when Christ will serve as the appointed judge. The risen Christ will be the appointed judge. And here in 2 Timothy chapter 4, and the verse number 1, Paul says to Timothy, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. So this day is a day when Christ returns, the day of his coming, the day of his appearing the second time, as we know from 2 Thessalonians, turn back there, 2 Thessalonians, this day of Christ's appearing is the day when he comes to take a vengeance on those that know not God and that obey not the gospel. It is the day, verse 7, when the Lord shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. It is in that day that he will punish the ungodly, punish the disobedient, with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Second Thessalonians 1, verse 7 through 9. Oh yes, alongside this day, there is the glorification of the saints, verse number 10 of that same chapter. But the point, the focus of our minds today is the day of wrath mentioned in Revelation chapter 6, this sixth seal that brings about this day of wrath, that sixth seal is speaking of Christ's return, his coming. And on that day, there'll be judgment and the outpouring of the wrath of the Lamb, verse number 16. For on that day they will hide and seek to hide themselves from the wrath of the Lamb. So it is a coming day. The day has not yet come, but it will certainly come to pass. It is a day that we must believe is on the timetable of God's history and that we'll prepare ourselves, that we'll seek to avoid that coming day, that by God's grace we'll flee from the wrath to come. The day of wrath will be coming. Secondly, the day of wrath will be, and I've, uh, you can pick a choice of three C words. It will be cataclysmic, it will be conclusive, and it will be climactic. All saying the same thing. This is the final day, the day of Christ's appearing. 
The day of judgment, the day of wrath, will be the climactic day of human history, ushering in the eternal state. And I say that because this sixth seal contains language of what one man calls the work of uncreation, the dissolving of creation. Listen to the language. Uh, when the sixth seal is opened, verse 12, there will be a great earthquake. The sun becomes black as sackcloth of hair. The moon becomes blood. The stars of heaven fell onto the earth. Even the fig tree casteth her untimely figs when she's shaken with mighty wind. And the heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together. Every mountain and island was moved, were moved out of their places. This is picture language of cataclysm, picture language of a climactic event. When the Bible speaks of God shaking the heavens, it often has the sense of God coming intervention, and very often in wrath. Not always. There are times that the Old Testament speaks of the Messiah's first coming as God shaking the heavens, but oftentimes it is in connection with God's coming in wrath. Just to explain one of the images here, you have the language of the stars falling upon the earth, Again, we understand the size of the stars in comparison to the earth. And so we're not suggesting here this is a, a literal event. We're seeing metaphorical language that speaks of, again, the uncreating of the world and the ushering in of God's new creation, the new heavens and the earth, according to Second Peter chapter 3. But the fig tree mentioned in verse number 13 has the image of these figs that were hidden behind the leaves. and They weren't harvested. They were hanging there. They begin to over-ripen. And a storm comes along and they fall. And that's the picture as if the stars are falling from heaven. It's the language of God intervening, shaking the heavens to bring about His will. Is he turn back, please, to the 102nd Psalm, Psalm 102. I'm going to be selective here and show you just a few portions that uh, really help us understand the language of Revelation chapter 6. Remember, I've said it many times. In Revelation, many of the pictures are drawn from the Old Testament. And here you have uh, Psalm 102 and the verse number 25. Of old hast thou laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of thy hands. They shall perish, but thou shalt endure. Yea, all of them shall wax old like a garment. As a vesture shalt thou change them, and they shall be changed. But thou art the same, and thy years shall have no end. And here when you see the contrast between the eternality of God. God will never change and will never cease to be. But the foundation of the earth and the heavens, there will come a time when they shall perish. They'll wax old, their garment, their time will come. The end of the age will come to pass. Oh, God will never end. But creation will one day be dissolved. And then made new in the glorious work of God's new creation. But you could turn across to Isaiah chapter 13. Isaiah 13, the verse number 9. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, cruel both with wrath and fierce anger, to lay the land desolate, and he shall destroy the sinner thereof out of it. 
For the stars of heaven and the constellations thereof shall not give their light. The sun shall be darkened in, the going in, the, in his going forth, and the moon shall not cause her light to shine. And here's the language. And I will punish the world for their evil, and the wicked for their iniquity. And I will cause the arrogance of the proud to cease, and will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible and then verse number 13, Therefore I will shake the heavens, and the earth shall remove out of her place in the wrath of the Lord of hosts, and in the day of his fierce anger. Now if you know Isaiah, you know that chapter 13 deals with the burden of Babylon, partly fulfilled in the destruction of ancient Babylon, but pointing forward to the end of the age, the fall of Babylon described in Revelation, fallen, fallen is Babylon. And in association with these things, as the heavens are shaken and the earth removes out of its place. See, the language is Old Testament language of wrath and cataclysmic judgment. And then chapter 24 of Isaiah Chapter 24 of Isaiah, the verse number 19. And you'll see the language again. There's bits and pieces from these various portions. The earth is utterly broken down. The earth is clean dissolved. The earth is moved exceedingly. The earth shall reel to and fro like a drunkard and, be, and shall be removed like a cottage. And the transgression thereof shall be heavy upon it and it shall fall and not rise again. And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall punish the host of the high ones that are on earth on high and the kings of the earth upon the earth. You know, see the language is borrowed here in Revelation chapter 6, verse 23 again. Then the moon shall be confounded and the sun ashamed when the Lord of hosts shall reign in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem and before his ancients gloriously. Now we'll see in chapter 7 something of that glorious reign of the Lord with the 144,000 gathered together around the throne. But you're seeing here in the sixth seal, the end, the dissolving of the heavens and the earth. Uh, Isaiah 34 and the verse number 8. One more portion in Isaiah. It says here, And all the hosts of heaven shall be dissolved, and the heavens shall be rolled together as a scroll. And all their hosts shall fall down, as the leaf falleth off the, the vine, and as a falling fig from the fig tree. You see, this is not new language in Revelation chapter 6. It's language borrowed largely from Isaiah that deals with the issue of God's wrath upon the nations coming and judging the ungodly for all of their ungodly ways. And of course, Christ himself. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 24, you have the language, and again, in the Olivet Discourse, Matthew 24, and the verse number 29, Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken, and then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. So you see the sixth seal. The sixth seal is ushering in the end of the age, the destruction of the heavens and the earth, ushering in that new creation that we'll see in chapter 7. Just a passing comment. This is one of the key reasons why when you see Revelation, you're seeing cycles of the same events coming round and round. Chapter 6 brings us to the end of the age. 
long before you get to chapter 20, 21, and 22. And so you're seeing these cycles that are repeating in the visions that are given to John by Christ himself. But what a fearful day this is. A day when the Lord will come. Now, of course, I can encourage you, you turn to chapter 21 of Revelation, and you'll see the promises that are given after that destructive event. Chapter 21, verse 1, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. Verse number 5, And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. Oh, for that day. We live in a day when we feel the groaning of creation. We hear it creaking, if you like, under the weight of the fall. There's a coming day when he's going to make all things new. What a prospect that is. What an exciting prospect that is, that we will share in the glory of that event as we are glorified in Christ and Christ in us. That is the joyful delight of the child of God. But Revelation chapter 6 paints the picture of the warning. The warning day. The great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? Which leads in the third place very briefly. This day of wrath is a day that will usher in final condemnation. No, it's a coming day. It's a cataclysmic day. And it's a day that will usher in condemnation. Now, when you understand condemnation in the Bible, you understand that to be a legal term. Opposite to justification. To justify is to declare righteous. And to condemn is to declare guilty. And then in turn, pass on the sentence of one who deserves a punishment for their guilt. In one sense, condemnation already abides upon those that do not believe in the name of the only begotten Son of God. That's John 3.18. He that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. You see, the condemnation comes because of sin. Deliverance comes by believing in the Son of God. So those who believe are delivered, but all the rest of humanity, they're under condemnation because of their sin. You see, that's the sense of those words. Condemnation does not come because of a failure to believe. Condemnation comes due to sin. But they have not known deliverance by believing, but they're under condemnation. And so the vision says this, Who shall be able to stand? Is that not the language of Psalm 130? If you mark iniquity, who can stand? Who can stand before God in that day? Stand with confidence, accepted, before the throne of God. Hence the language of verse number 16, fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth in the throne. It's a throne room scene, a judgment scene. Note, note the six classes of men that are mentioned here. The sixth seal, the sixth, the number of man, six classes mentioned, verse 15. Kings, great men, rich men, chief captains, mighty men, bond man, free man. Oh, it is, if you like, it is a list of social strata that will be known in those days. The kings of the earth, they're mentioned first. The great men likely speak to the princes next in authority to the kings. Thirdly, have the reference to the, the, the mighty, the rich men. Or sorry, the, yeah, the, the great men, sorry, come 
As the princes, the rich men come next, they're mentioned. The leaders in, in business, the capitalists, all those people. Then the captains and the mighty men, they're mentioned. Those who exert power, perhaps in the military realm. And then you have every lower class mentioned, every bondman, every free man. Oh, very simply, this judgment day scene, it is a judgment day scene, and it is a picture of universal judgment. Nobody's left out on this day. Impartial judgment. The kings and the bondman, both included in this day of judgment. And it is a day of judgment that is inescapable. Oh, they'll want to be hidden, fall on us, hide us, but they will not succeed. Cannot evade God's judgment on that day. Cannot hide in some nuclear bunker and presume that you'll miss the judgment of God. There's no place to hide in the rocks. Nowhere where you'll avoid the wrath of God on that day. It is rightly said to be a day of terror for the wicked. We believe these things. And we believe the only escape is from the gospel of Christ Jesus in the gospel of Christ. You see, we, we praise God. We believe the promises of Romans chapter 5, where it says there, much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. We don't need to fear that day, do we? This day when Christ comes, that day for us will not be a day of fear and terror. It'll be a day of reverent joy. We'll be glad to say our prayers are answered. We've been saying, even so come, Lord Jesus, and we will see him in his glory, and we shall be like him. That's our prospect as the children of God. But there are so many people around us, and they do not understand the danger they face. And like evangelists of old, may it be our burden to tell others, fly from the wrath to come. And even tonight, may it be our burden to pray that God in his mercy would allow the gospel to be made manifest to many precious souls in nations across the world, all manner of places, but they'd hear the glorious gospel and they would heed the words of the evangelist and they'd run to Christ the only refuge from this day of wrath. May God help us to again fully embrace these doctrines, to take them into our minds, into our hearts, and then to work them out for the good of precious souls. May God bless his word. Amen and amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Let the Bible Speak from Malvern Free Presbyterian Church. If you'd like more information about the gospel or the church, please call 610-993-3170 or email malvernfpc at yahoo.com. We extend an invitation to all to join us as we worship the Lord each week. You will be made very welcome. The church is situated at 80 Mallon Road, Malvern, Pennsylvania, at the junction of 401 and Mallon Road. 
we meet for worship on the Lord's Day at 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. A Bible study and prayer meeting is also held on Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. We preach Christ crucified.